podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search Fan Hub app to play your part in the journey. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, Ben Aiton. Now, it's slightly later that we're recording this, so thanks to all those patient listeners that we've got. We really appreciate you hanging on to listen to this. Ben, it's the morning after the night before. How are you doing? Hello, mate. Um, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing better than I was um, last week. I don't know if many people have seen on my in- uh, Facebook and Twitter and fa- uh, Instagram this week, but I've been struggling the last two weeks and I thought it was I, I needed to speak out and make people aware that I've not been 100% and it's okay to not be okay and you need to talk about your issues and that. Um, and since I've done that, I've had a massive outpour of love from the Watford community and fellow Watford fans and even an ex Watford legend that's even touched out to me as well which is really touching so it yeah it's it's a crap time at the moment isn't it with the whole lockdowns and that and a lot of people are struggling but like I've experienced over the last two weeks it's not no good to really bottle things up you need to talk about it so if if anything can come out of this I just hope it encourages other people to talk about their problems and hopefully um they feel better afterwards because like I said to you um I felt like a, a massive weight was lifted off my shoulders after mm-hmm. I, I just spoke about it and that. So, yeah, I just want to thank everyone quickly um, about that. And, yeah, buzzing with the three points last night, mate. Good stuff. Yeah, no, just on what you've said there, obviously, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to to speak out and a lot of people will be feeling all sorts of things in lockdown and, um, you know, it, massive, massive, you know, tip my hat off to you for speaking out because it isn't easy and like you says it hopefully encourages other people to uh to speak out as well but we're glad to hear that you, you you're feeling better anyway uh but as you say ben obviously it was great to pick up the three points last night i think and i'm sure i may be wrong on this so please tell me if i am ben but i'm pretty sure was last night the first time we've ever been unchanged this season I can't remember of an occasion this season where we've actually um, stayed unchanged. Ivic loved changing the team, didn't he, as well? And and Munez, he he loves the rotation. Um, So, yeah, I can't think of one. So It might have been back to last season under Nigel Pearson. Yeah, and I'm sure for anyone that's listening, you're probably screaming at the phone saying, yeah, we were unchanged for this game. Let us know if we were, because I genuinely can't remember. So <laughs> for those that uh, don't know the team from last time, I'll, I'll just run through it quickly now. So it's Bachman, Feminia, Sierra, Trusta Kong, Messina, Hughes, Chalaba, Zinkenagel in the midfield three, and then a front three of Saar, Pedro and Sema. Uh, so really, Ben, it's just what we wanted. And a lot of people probably looked at this game and thought that we might be able to change things up because we knew Rotherham had problems with obviously their COVID outbreak and that, but were you pleased that he stuck with the same side and didn't tinker with it? Yeah, it could have been really easy for him to tinker, looking at the league table, thinking Rotherham's down at the bottom of half his table, not played the last couple of weeks due to COVID and that. But mm-hmm. yeah, fair play to Cisco for actually playing a unchanged side and didn't rotate the centre-backs for once, which I was over the moon with. Um, so yeah, it showed a bit of respect to Rotherham last night, gave them um, the respe- respect that they deserved. And yeah, it was really good to see a unchanged side and hopefully this just um, carries on. We need to start playing um, unchanged sides when we can I know there's going to be a lot of games coming up soon and we might need to rotate a couple of players but there was there was no reason not to keep last night's game as unchanged yeah and I think the the thing that shocked most Watford fans was probably their team lineup because you know um, I spoke to Matt from the Rotherham United podcast last week and he was expecting a wholesale changes and then the team news comes about and they pretty much field a, a full well, I say full strength, um, a full 11. 
and you're thinking like you know well yeah full strength 11 I should say so and you're thinking well hang on a minute I thought there was and then uh, I actually messaged Matt separately last night and I says you know that's not quite weakened is it and he said that warns said that to expect a lot of changes and I think we saw that later running the game because they brought two lads on at one stage who looks no no older than 12 years old and they must be from the academy <laughs> I'm guessing so um but yeah it, it, it I think that sort of stumped us Watford fans that they went full. But you could tell that they were sort of blowing out their arse a bit come the end of the game. But I thought, Ben, Definitely. I thought Rotherham actually started. They come out the they come out the traps firing, didn't they? They it was a little bit worrying actually. I think they got a corner in the first sort of five minutes or so, but they, they actually started really well in the first sort of five, ten minutes were a were a little bit sort of shaky from us, I I think is fair to say. Is that something you'd agree with? Yeah, but it wasn't even five minutes. It was the first 30 seconds. Um, Shooter yeah. gave away a corner in the bottom corner and it was, we was on the back foot straight away. I think we was just slow out of the blocks, but or, or Rotherham was quick out of the blocks. Maybe them not playing for the last two weeks has benefited them and they, they were well up for playing football again. So that's why we saw a quick um, tempo from them last night. But it, it didn't take too long until we actually got our foot on the ball and actually created chances, was it? Yeah, it didn't. Nine minutes on the clock, to be precise. And we, we're now starting to see him for what he's worth. And I don't mean Sierra Elta. I mean, um, Philip Zinkenagel. You know, he's in that incredible graphic of top 10 um, creators of goals, whether it's goals and assists. And he's got these incredible assists stats and goal stats from Bodo Glimt. And we're starting to reap the benefits from that ourselves now. Floated a wonderful ball in. I think it come from a short corner originally. And um, it's it's been a long time coming, Ben, but Sierra Elsa finally got his goal. Yeah, really pleased for both of them. Zinko and Eagle getting a, an assist. Well, he went on to get a second assist, but he was phenomenal yesterday. I thought mm. he's really playing well now. Um, we're seeing the best of Zinko and Eagle, and he's out of position as well, which we all got to remember. Uh, but yeah, lovely ball that he floated into a box and Serial to just, he raised, he raised them highest, didn't he? And beat the um, Rotherham defender to it and put it towards goal and went in and yeah, delighted for him. It was good to see Serial to actually put it in the correct net this week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that that may have been playing on his mind uh, a little bit from last week uh, that he got an own goal or, you know, granted he, he, he had to do something. But as you say, to, to finally get off the mark, I think that will be the first of many because we are now starting to see us do better from set pieces. So you would expect, you know, with Sherrell to be the, the, the man mounting that he is to, to notch a few more goals. I mean, you've, you, you pulled out this stat Ben on here that um, you found on Twitter, I believe, and he's won 70.5% of aerial duels and that's 10th in the league. And that that's bearing in mind that he's not played every single game this season. That's incredible, isn't it, Ben? It is incredible, but also I think I've seen another stat which I didn't forward on to you, but he's actually on eight yellow cards and he's not played yes. off the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I was talking to my brother about this last night, Roy, and I was trying to work it out strategically because, you know, we've got this incredibly tough running coming up. I thought, OK, yeah. let him take one tonight, so there's nine. Let him take one on Saturday against Birmingham, there's your ten. So he then miss Sheffield Wednesday and Middlesbrough. And then he's mm. back for the Luton game. But unfortunately, he didn't pick up a yellow card last night. So, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, I think that's that. We, we've said it before, Ben, that he must be up there with some of the best defenders in the league. But to be 10th already and only played, uh, well, quite considerable amount less games, that just screams what a gem we've got on our hands here. And uh, we don't mean to sound like broken records because we do mention him, but he is literally that good. Do you, do you think if we don't go up this season, do you think he'll be in the Premier League next season, Ben? Quite possibly, or he might go to a, a, another league in a different country as well. Um, even mm. if it was La Liga or over to the Italian league, um, he's that good. He needs to be playing week in, week out at the highest level. Yeah. Um, I just hope that we do end up getting promoted and we give him a long-term contract because we've started to see a really good centre-back and Watford haven't had that for absolutely years. Um, so <laughs> we need to build the defence around him. And I think you've been seeing that in the last few weeks. It's been other players being rotated out the back line and not Serie so yeah long may it continue but yeah what an absolute uh, monster uh, at the back in, and dangerous in both areas 
yeah, absolutely. He um, he's he's certainly is someone we've been screaming out for for quite a while. And as Ben picked up, as you said last week, he's still only twenty three as well. So he's got a long career ahead mad. of him. Um, absolutely, mad. I must say as well. Did did you? Uh, we sort of I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but there's a, fo- a photo floating around on uh, social media of him celebrating after the goal last night. I know oh, yeah. he he didn't really react when the ball went in. He l- laid on the floor, didn't he? And it was mm. there was a bit of concern, and the ref went over to see if it was okay. But I think Syriota then realised that he actually scored his first goal, so jumped up and everyone was celebrating with him. But there's a photo of him afterwards, and he's got a size of an egg on his head from the collision that he just had. But he he just wanted to get back up and celebrate, didn't he? Yeah, and I'm surprised at that because that, I would imagine, has come from a clash of heads. And if, obviously, with this new concussion rule coming in as well, I'm surprised that he's not had to sort of been forced to have taken him off. Because usually, like yeah. I say, that's usually the result of a clash of heads. And you would think there is some sort of concussion there. But luckily, touch woods, he's all OK. And uh, we'll be seeing him in the starting lineup. But I think that just goes to show the passion that he, he's got at the moment. You know, he yeah, he was probably knocked out. Uh, you know, you look at Dan Backman later on in the game, which we'll touch upon. But uh, he was knocked out. But he got straight back up and he was celebrating his first what for goal. Uh, but I think although Rotherham obviously started, they, they were quick out the blocks and we, we perhaps were a little bit slow. I think that goal sort of, that then changed the tempo of the game. It was, you know, we were gaining more confidence with more possession that we had. Um, you know, the next goal come on 26 minutes when I think it was Chalaba that had a goal, uh, Chalaba that had a shot, sorry. And not for the first time that evening, uh, Blackman in goal made a, a, a stop, but he parried it. And then the rebound fell to Saar. Now, for me, Ben, I don't know about you, but it looked like all three players were offside. So I'm not sure how that's not been given. But another goal for Saar, and he's on nine for the season now, Ben. We're starting to really, really reap the benefits of Ishmael Saar, considering earlier on in the season, there, there were a few, myself included, that would have quite been happy for him to maybe sit out a few games. But he's, he's really hit the ground running now. Yeah, he's hit form at the right time of season. And I think this is all down to the formation. Uh, change and him actually playing a uh, wide right and being further up the pitch and not having to focus more on the defensive work which he would have done under the Ivic. He's, he's got the license to do whatever he likes pretty much and it, he's he's working really hard for the team and he's getting all the um, plaudits and it's fully deserved because he's been outstanding since his formation change. He's maybe been one of our uh, best players up there with Serielta and the consistently performing week in, week out. And for him to be on nine goals as well is brilliant. Um, I'm not too sure if you know, but um, who's going to end up being our top goal server for this season? Is it going to be Pedro or Saar? Or... Well, because <laughs> they're would... both on nine at the moment. Yeah, I was talking to my brother about this last night and he reckons that um, Pedro's not going to get his 15 because we have got quite a few hard games coming up. And now he's only six goals off it. I, I think <laughs> it is a tough one. I just think the way that Saar is at the moment, like the confidence that he's got, and and Pedro's got confidence as well, but I can just see Saar just edging it, uh, and I mean just. Yeah. Um, it, it we'll we'll get a player in double figures, uh, and I, I know that might sound obvious to say, but there was a stage earlier in the season when we we we've still got it now, where I think what is it, Ben? We've got eighteen players that have scored for us this season. I think you've uh, nineteen if you're including um, Penaranda that's gone out on loan. So yeah, right. it's nineteen. Yeah, so if you you've got nineteen players, and, and I think it's actually ten players. Yeah, yeah. So there's ten Watford players that are all on one goal. Messina's on two, Hughes is on two, Chalaba two, Gray three, Cleverly four, Semmer five, Dini seven, six all penalties, um, nine wow. Pedro, and nine Ismail Saar. Wow. So you know, if you take that into consideration, um. You know, there was a stage earlier in the season where I th- certainly thought that we might not get a player actually reach double figures. And I know that m- might have sound crazy now, but the way things were going earlier in the season under Rivic and we weren't really progressing, I thought we'll be lucky if we get a player that gets 10. And now we- we're looking at, you know, a couple that, well, yeah, a couple that will get 10, I think. Uh, but I think Saar will just come out on top there, Ben. Uh, to answer your question, uh, and a man yeah. who who's no stranger to a goal uh, and an assist was on the score sheet last night. Ben Ken Semmer, thirty nine minutes in, he 
come to him on the edge of the box again off another corner these these set pieces are starting to work now and um into the back of the he flicked it up and volleyed it into the back of the net and it was 3-0 and that was 39 minutes gone and I think that's what the performance we sort of wanted we knew Rotherham would be sort of um I don't know whether weak is the right words, but we knew they'd be vulnerable because they haven't played in so long. And we knew they'd be rusty. So we thought, okay, as harsh as it is on Rotherham, we need to be ruthless. And to be 3-0 up in 39 minutes, I would say that has been that is ruthless. And is that exactly the type of performance you was expecting to see, Ben? Yeah, when you go into a place like Rotherham when they're, they're struggling at the foot of the table, you 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 go in there expecting a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the season, we've gone to sides where we think we might get a result, and we've ended up drawing nil nil or might sneak to one nil win. <laughs> and to be three not three nil up after thirty nine minutes was like you say it was ruthless. We very clinical last night, uh, lots of shots on targets, and we took our chances. and And I think it's all down to maybe the inclusion of Zink and Eagle into this side. We're, we're He's creating a lot more opportunities for his players. Like we didn't really talk about the second goal in detail, but it was his ball that he put into the box that Chalaber got the toe on, and then, uh, like you say, Batman um, parries the ball and Saar puts it into the back of the net. But if it was, if Zinchenko wasn't out on that far side, who else would have been out there to put in the ball? We, we've not really seen that quality this season from out wide to cross the ball into the net and and like some get onto the end of it. So I think we are starting to see a more fluent Watford side, and I think it's all down to the inclusion of Zinchenko. Um, but yeah, it was it, great to see Ken Semmer score last night and brilliant technique for him to flip the ball up like that. And, volley into the bottom corner it's absolutely fantastic I, to be honest I didn't know he had that in his locker <laughs> exactly you know it, it's it's great seeing these players try these things and I think they're trying them Ben because the confidence has yeah. flown through the team at the moment you know um, Ken Semmer's just been called up to the um, Swedish national team uh, we've, we've got a few call-ups which we'll talk about towards the end of the podcast but you know it, everything just seems to be clicking for everyone at the moment. And it's it's absolutely right. And Sunit, I want to just go off on a bit of a tangent on what you've said, Ben. You've said it's nice to actually put in a convincing a performance away from home against a team that's struggling. The amount of times earlier in the season, the one that sticks out in my mind, Birmingham City away. It was a horrible pitch. You can blame the pitch all you want. A 1-0 win penalty. Um, not really a great spectacle to watch, and it was it was a tough watch from both sides of the fence. Uh, and you'll actually hear me refer to that when I, when you hear the interview I did with a Birmingham podcast later on in the pod. But it was not a pretty watch whatsoever. So to to now be going to these places and scoring freely like that is absolutely superb. And it's credit to Cisco. Since Cisco has come yeah. in, he he's just been the right man for the job. Yes, there were moments where you know, some fans, I don't even think I can call them fans because you wouldn't really wish this, but some people wanted them to wanted us to lose against Bristol City so he could lose his job. And now further down the line, you know, Ben, you, you know, the brilliant job you do getting all the stats for the show. You've, you've pulled this one out from, from Twitter. At the moment, Cisco's got the best win ratio out of any manager that we've had. He's currently on 70.5, and he obviously joins his first game was on Boxing Day. The next best one is Slavisi Akanovic, who obviously got us promoted with 60%. So I think it's absolutely credit to Cisco and his team we knew what they did in Georgia, and yes, Georgian football is a lot different to the second tier of um, English football. But it's just—I think he's the perfect yes man, and he—he he, he seems to have the players on his side. And it, sometimes, Ben, it's the simple things like that that get the team clicking, and then confidence, and then you—you're producing these performances away from home, aren't you? Yeah, it's, and it's it's like you say, it's full credit to Cisco. Um, I I need to eat my words a little bit here because I, I've I've said before in the podcast that I wasn't a hundred percent convinced on Cisco. I think mm-hmm. like at the end of the season he could possibly be gone, and his tactics and substitutions were all very questionable. And I think many other Watford fans might might have agreed with me, or might even still feel like that. But I must say, the last two three weeks, my opinion of him's changed, and he's really like he understands what Watford is and he gets it. And it, just like what we had with um, Nigel Pearson when he came in last season, we needed a manager that came in and gets it 
he he understands what the club's like, what the ethos are like. And Cisco's came in and he's embraced everything that's been thrown at him. He absolutely yep. adores this football club, and you can see it and the passion that he's got. And I, and I do feel like his tactics have improved. His substitutions are getting better as well. It's like he can trust the players that he's bringing on now, and he knows when to bring them on, when to bring them off. And yeah, fair play to Cisco, and um, I, I can't speak highly enough of him at the moment. Yeah, and you mentioned there, Ben, you, you said you had to eat your words a little bit. I don't think you'll be the only Watford fan that's had to do that as well, and and not just for Cisco. I think there's there's a few performers where there's a few people in the side that people have been perhaps a bit dismissive of and who have definitely got better. Uh, and, you know, with Cisco himself, I, I don't think you'll be alone in what you've said in the past. But listen... W- we say these things hoping that they'll prove us wrong because we don't want them to fail. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've ever wanted a manager to come in and fail. No one ever wants that for their football club. No. The only reason that we would say bad things or maybe um, disagree with what they're doing is because they're not doing the job that they're brought in to do. So, yeah, I, I don't think you'd be alone. And one thing, two things I want to point out what you've said, the away form. Now, at the start of the season, this was our, this was our problem. The we at home not a problem. Best home records in England, I believe it is. Away from home now, that win last night actually puts us in the having the fifth best away record in the division. So Swansea have picked up. Um, wow. Sorry, Norwich have picked up thirty-eight points um, in eighteen games away from home. Brentford have picked up thirty-two points in nineteen games away from home. Uh, these are all away from home, by the way. Swansea eighteen games, thirty-one points. Cardiff eighteen games, thirty points. And Watford and Reading. Uh, Watford have played one game more with nineteen. Reading have played eighteen, both twenty-eight points. So we've we've got the fifth best away away record. I remember doing um doing a interview for a the Blackburn podcast our friends over at Rovers chat and that Blackburn game was only a matter of weeks ago and they highlighted in their preview our poor away record fast forward a few weeks we got the fifth best record in the division you know if we win the next away game we've got the third best in the in the division so it just goes to show how quickly things can change um and then I was going to mention the substitutions as well obviously uh, you know I'll mention it now but what on earth was he thinking? He made a substitution before the 60th minute, Ben. 53 minutes on the clock. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, before that, obviously, we went into the break, 3-0 up. Sierra Semmer and Saar, the three S's. Uh, there was a brilliant stat that was brought out, um, on, I think, from the Rockery. And then it did the rounds on Twitter last night as well. Uh, the last time that that happens, where three scorers with the th- same... First letter of the last name was back in 84, I think, at Oxford. So, yeah, uh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. I love stats like that. But at half-time, uh, 54% possession for Watford, 45 for Rotherham, six shots for Rotherham, one on target, seven for Watford, five on target, uh, 169 passes for Watford and 142. Now, 3-0 up at half-time, Ben, you're thinking, yeah, that should be the game wrapped up. Watford don't do should bees. We, we like to make things hard for ourselves. Was you thinking, right, okay, 3-0. Our goal difference was better than Swansea at the time, even before the match. And I think our goal difference was we're behind by four with Brentford. So was you thinking, we have to go gung-ho here. We we have to try and score more goals. Or were you perhaps thinking, okay, we can afford to maybe take the foot off the gas a little bit as long as we don't, you know, concede any silly goals. What what were your thoughts at half-time going into the second half then? Uh, my thoughts were we needed about another one more goal um, to probably kill off the game completely because 3-0 is still difficult, isn't it? Like you say, yeah. if, if if they get one and then two, it's like, oh, with kitchen sink time and they'd be pushing on for a, a draw. Um, mm. So, yeah, I just wanted one more goal and it would have helped out our goal difference and then I would have maybe looked to the bench to bring on players and rest players for us as well and it, it started quickly in the second half didn't it? I think Saar got, uh, won the ball off one of the Rotherham players and then drove about 50-60 yards with the ball slipped the ball into Jal Pedro and then it was like a last ditch challenge from Wood that went behind for a corner but it just showed the intent that what uh, what Cisco was saying at half time was like more of the same please boys Absolutely and you know I think it's great now because We've we've never been great at scoring goals away from home. Obviously, I've just mentioned about 
our away form in general, but scoring goals away from home has been a real sticking point for us. Uh, conceding goals away from home, not a problem. That, that That's always been low, but it's been scoring. We've scored 17 away from home now. And I think the most that anyone scored away from home this season is 30. With, uh, that's with Brentford. And it's generally around 20, 22 that teams have scored. So we're averaging a, a, around... You know the 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 average for for the division in terms of scoring away from home, um, and obviously as you said, Ben, that that last ditch challenge from Wood, um, I, I did. I, do you know what? I know this is a Watford podcast, but I was very impressed with Wood, and any time we've come up against Wood, um, he he's a very solid defender uh, for a, for a bloke his age, and I, I think you know Tommy Mooney was giving him a bit of stick. I think Tommy Mooney said at one stage he moves like a tin man, and he goes watching him here makes me want to get my boots back on. Um, and I did laugh at that, and it's very rare that I, I laugh at um, Tommy Mooney's enthusiasm on a Hive Live. But uh, there it is. Um, it's a bit but, yeah. harsh, weren't it? Well, <laughs> no, I'd... what from me or Tommy? Uh, from Tommy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, so obviously we we started well, as you say. Sarah had that chance; it went out for a corner. Then as I talked about that substitution on the 53rd minute, I had to sort of double check what the time was because I thought this is far too early. Are you imagining Ben that these were just because of rotation and keeping players fresh and Gaki are on for Saar. I know Saar went down and then Gray on for Feminia. Would would you imagine they're just to, to keep things fresh and just give other player minutes? Um, you'd think so. I think maybe there's discussions made at half time thinking, right, um, if it carries on being 3 0, let's start making pl- uh, plans to rest players. And Sarah, I think Sars played every single minute of the season so far in the games that he's been available for. So he was much needed a rest. And then Kiko's been uh, present pretty much all season as well. So it, it was a good idea to sub them both. I just hope that Sar didn't pick up a little injury that could keep him out for a couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping not because he was down for quite a while and Saar, you yes, we've seen you know, Saar does like to go down on some challenges and yeah, he, he he can be that type of footballer, but usually he tends to get straight back up afterwards after he's realised that the ref's not falling for it. Uh but yesterday he just was down for quite some time. So hopefully, touchwood, fingers crossed. I mean, as we record this on Wednesday evening, there isn't anything to suggest that um, you know, anything otherwise. But uh, hopefully he's all good. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, and then Ben <laughs> The, the oddest penalty decision I think I've ever seen in my entire life. So, Trooster Kong, I think it was, he was chasing down Michael Smith, uh, who I think we did a very good job of keeping him very quiet because Michael Smith's one of these big guys who's, you know, he, he likes to put himself about. And we generally tend to sort of uh, struggle with players like that. You know, look at Uche Pizu, Akin Femwa, uh, just, just to name a few. But I thought we did all right sort of containing him and that might have been to do with the fact he's probably not match fit, but never mind. Um, but Trusa Kong, he's gone to kick the ball and clear the ball. He's kicked Michael Smith's foot. He's gone down. The ball's gone out. Lino is who right in front of it. He must be, what, five, ten yards away from it? The referee's further away. Looks like he's just going to let it go out for a throw-in. And the next thing you know, he blows a whistle and points to the spot. None of the Rotherham players have really appealed for it. The weirdest penalty decision ever. Um, So I was, I think, myself and the whole of Hertfordshire were probably a bit perplexed as to why Jeremy Simpson pointed to the spot there. But my word, Ben... Super Dan Backman to the rescue. He's gone down and saved it. They were talking about his penalty saves in uh, Oxford in the penalty shootout where he saved all three penalties. But that guy loves saving penalties. Here's a question for you, Ben. Have who was is he the best penalty taker we've had? And if so, who is it since? Because some would argue maybe Gomez. Yeah, I was going to throw Gomez into a mix. I thought he was brilliant. And he was, um, when he was at PSV over in uh, Holland, I think he was nicknamed the Octopus or something for all his penalty saves that he was actually doing his shootouts as well. But um, Dan Batman's actually saved four out of five penalties his face this season, which is absolutely incredible. Um, That's including his um, penalty shootout heroics against Oxford United. And then obviously saving last night's penalty as well. But I'm I'm with you on that. It was a very soft uh, penalty to be awarded him. And 
the first place. And I think justice was prevailed after that penalty save. But yeah, fantastic save from Batman. Absolutely. And, you know, he um, he continues to impress. And again, I was going to mention it at the end, but these are setting me up perfectly. I just can't help myself. Uh, massive congratulations to Dan Batman, <laughs> who, um, who's been called up to the um, Austria squad. And I believe he could be in line to make his debut since the first time since 2017. Uh, and he could be in line to make his um, appearance against Scotland, which will be interesting to see. Um, so massive congratulations to, to Backman there. Um, Gray, come on. What did you think of Gray's performance yesterday, Ben? There was a couple of good passes he made and a couple of link-ups that he, he, he sort of brought other players in. But it was a night where he probably could have bagged the goal. But again, maybe his shooting boots are missing a little bit. Yes, yeah, left behind his shooting boots once again, but um, his hold-up play and link-up play, I thought was really good. And that's what you'd want from a striker coming on. It's just he can't um, add to the goal tally. And I, I feel like he just panics when he gets in front of goal. He yeah. completely shanks some shots in that. Um, so, yeah, um, he just left his shooting boots behind. But we've heard that all season with Andre Gray, haven't we? He had a really good opportunity last night to score when he was... Um, put through on goal um, and then yeah. um, his shot was um, saved. Oh no, we, we, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a bit of head myself. You carry yeah. on, Rotherham goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, um, the, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, yeah. Uh, so before that happened, um, another substitution which we saw was Carlos Sanchez coming on for Zinconagel, uh, who looked like he'd taken a bit of a hit to maybe the ribs or the hip, I don't know. Uh, but that, that Tommy Mooney made a very good point, actually. That area doesn't, if you're a professional footballer at least anyway, um, doesn't tend to be covered by, by fat at all. So if you take one there, you know about it. And especially if it's a cold night up north. So I, I would imagine that was something you know I think he had to have trainers on twice so I think that was maybe a precaution and then Chalaba coming off for Dan Gosling another brilliant performance by Chalaba Ben um, and he, he's really warranting the captain's armband at the moment I think yeah I think he's um, maybe he's up to his game with the responsibility of being a captain um, he doesn't want to let the team down not that he wanted to let the team down before but his his um, performances have just got better as as a team player or individual performances you can't fault uh, Nathaniel Chalaber at the moment and he was unlucky not to get a goal last night yeah absolutely completely agree uh, so Dan Gosling and Sanchez on for them um, 67 minutes on the clock and uh, I think the first involvement for them both was um, to to try and rally up the troops after Rotherham scored uh, brilliant goal by the way disappointing not to keep a clean sheet but a brilliant goal the Dapo like he was he running at the box and then managed to turn one of his players and then he's just belted it. I think Hughes maybe stuck a leg out, but the dip on it was incredible. I thought at first, first it may have taken the deflection and gone in, but a replay show, mm. he literally just hit it and he put that much swerve and dip on it. He, um, it, it was a really, really fine goal. And if you're going to concede, you know, then conceding to a goal like that, I've got no qualms with whatsoever. So, that was a little bit disappointing yeah. and a little bit of a worry as well because you probably thought they might get back Abs into it. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic strike from him. And that's one of those kind of goals that if that happens against you in a stadium, you'd applaud that because that was just top draw. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the worry with some Watford fans, because we know what Watford are like, is yes, we've still got a two-goal cushion, but we really need to oversee this game out and not make it an uncomfortable watch or we need to get another goal. And I think it's pretty much like the Luton game where the cameraman was too busy showing the replay of the chance where they hit the bar that we up the, we went up the other end and João Pedro scored. So we actually missed the goal and it was almost the case there. And it's what you was talking about, Ben. He was put through one-on-one, -on -one, Andre Gray was, forced a, a decent save out of Blackman, but not for the first time that night. He parried it straight into the path of Gosling who had just come on and um, in, into, it, into the goal it went. Yeah, Gosling made no uh, no mistake there from a rebound and that was his first Watford goal. So please for him, especially after um, just coming back from injury as well, you want to hit the ground running again and he got 20 minutes last night, 25 minutes and to come on off the bench straight away and get a goal. Fantastic for him. I think it was possibly his first touch as well. I think it was his first touch. I I'm pretty sure it was because, like, you know, he come on and maybe he's... 
I, I don't think he takes kickoff, so can't really count that as a, the first touch. But yeah, delighted for him to um, to, to get his first goal for the for the Orns, and hopefully it's not his last as well. He can be a, a key player this season, I think, or can be part of a, a key team. Uh, and then uh, another scary moment. Yes, we went four-one up then, Ben. But another scary moment was seventy-eight minutes on the clock. How on earth? That ball come in from Rotherham and their guys headed it completely over from, he must have been two yards out. <laughs> must have been. Yeah, I have no idea how he missed that. That reminds me of like Canu for West Brom when he was like pretty much underneath the crossbow oh, and ended Jesus. up clearing it over. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, yeah terrible um, <laughs> attempts at goal last night. But yeah, thankfully that didn't go in. Yeah, because I think if that went in and they'd scored the penalty, I think their guy, their assistant manager alluded to it. Uh, I can't think what his name is now, but um, he said, you know, if the penalty goes in and then that goal goes in, it's 4-3 or it could be 4-2 and then it changes the complexity of the game. Um, and then one final change of the evening was Will Hughes coming off. Again, I assume this was just to keep the freshness and get Isaac some minutes. Isaac's success coming on in the uh, the 80th minute. He... Um, he actually created a chance, Ben. You know, he he come on. He, I think he slipped over more times than he touched the ball. But he come on, <laughs> and I think the ball was in the air. He's sort of his man's all over him, but he's muscled him off, put Gray through, and then Gray's absolutely wellied it, but unfortunately couldn't direct it on goal, so it's it's gone out. But um, he again, it's. It's not really a performance that we can talk about too much because there, there wasn't much to talk about because he only had 10 minutes. But it's good to see him getting getting minutes into the legs, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, it's good for him to get minutes. I did think it looked like a rusty performance last night from um, success. I thought there was a few heavy touches. And like you said, he, he fell over a few times last night. I think he, I counted he fell over twice in the first 30 seconds when he <laughs> entered the pitch last night. So um, it wasn't a good start to um, life for um success against Rotherham last night but like you say he he could be a bit part player for us this season and he created that opportunity out of nothing last night by um, out muscling a defender and playing in Andre Gray on another day Andre Gray hits the target and scores and that would have been an, an assist for success and we all would have been oh, successful well last night so it's all it's one of those isn't it yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the more minutes he gets, the, the more he'll feel more comfortable. And hopefully next time he plays, he'll choose suitable footwear and doesn't slip over as much in the first 20 minutes, uh, to the first 20 seconds, sorry. <laughs> um, but that that was that was the game. It was it finished 4-1 in the end. We, we still had that three-goal cushion, so the goal difference increased by three, which was great. Uh, and it really was, you know, a, a ruthless performance from, from Watford. Yes, we probably could have scored a couple more. Uh, they probably could have scored. But at the end of the day, we, we, we managed to, to keep that score, you know, a, a big enough score. You know, 39% possession for Rotherham at the end of the game, 61% for Watford, 16 shots in total for Watford, 10 on target. I think the last time we probably had that many was Blackburn. And the only reason I remember that is because I remember saying, wow, like Watford don't usually have this many shots at home, let alone away. Um, 11 shots for Rotherham, but only three on target. Eight corners for Watford, five for Rotherham, 395 passes for Watford and 249 for Rotherham. Now, um, obviously a great result for us, Ben, but little did we know that Derby were going to do us a favour and Bournemouth were going to do us a favour. So for those that don't know and may have been living under a rock, um, I think Louis Soilby, the young lad for Derby, scored in pretty much the dying embers of the game and they drew 2-2. And then Swansea got a demolition job done on them by um, by Bournemouth. They lost 3-0, it was. Uh, Philip Billing with a brilliant overhead kick in that, goal by the, uh, in that game, by the way. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out. Um, but... Ben, so that, that means now that Brentford are on 67 points with a game in hand. So they're five points behind. So even if they win that game in hand, uh, who I believe it's against actually Rotherham, uh, they'll still be two points behind. And then a defeat for Swansea, which means if they win their game in hand, they can only go level on points with us. And we've got better goal difference. So in the end, Ben, a 4-1 win for the Orns and those results elsewhere, it was a bloody brilliant night, wasn't it? 
Uh, that is the definition of perfection, isn't it? Really, yeah. uh, that's what that's what you want. You want a four-one away victory. You want to increase the goal difference. You want the other two teams that are fighting for promotion with you to slip up. And I, I fully expected one of them to get a win last night. Maybe the other one to slip up. I thought Swansea might have slipped up going down to Bournemouth would have been tough for them. Uh, but I wasn't seeing Brentford slipping up at all there. So yeah, over a moon with that, and it just sets it up nicely for the end of. A season doesn't it really there's nine games left nine cup finals if you want to treat it like that mm-hmm. and we've got two good games coming up against um, Birmingham City and then Sheffield Wednesday to try and get more points on the board and hope that those two teams slip up even more so by the time we play them we might have a big enough distance that it wouldn't really matter what happens on that day when we play yeah. them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's already some distance now. There's 11 points between us and Reading who play tonight against Birmingham City. And we're going to talk about Birmingham City in a little bit. Uh, But I I think we might start seeing, well, I personally think we might start seeing a bit of shifting emphasis from Birmingham City. I hope I'm wrong. But Ben, here's a question I want to ask you. And the only reason I'm asking you is I'm, I'm looking at the league table right now. And as we record on Wednesday, the 17th, Norwich are away to Nottingham Forest tonight. If Nottingham Forest somehow managed to win, then we're on the same amount of games. We've both played 37. They're on 79 points. We're on 72. If we then win against Birmingham on Saturday, that puts us on 75 points. And Norwich are at home to Blackburn. So it's a big if. But if they lose then, we're only four points behind them. You, do, do, you, do you think, and uh, listen, I've held my hands up. I've said Norwich can, you know, might as well bring out the, the, the open top bus for them. But do you think there's maybe a chance that we could catch Norwich if, if results go our way? Or do you think we just need to focus on second now and, and get that cemented and wrapped up? Um, firstly, you called you and James, I think it was, or Josh called <laughs> me mad when I said we could catch Norwich two weeks ago. So I don't know where, where this is all came from now. I think you're finding a bit of confidence after the 4-1 yep. win last night. Um, um, I've always thought that we just carry on winning our own results, let other teams worry about us. Um, let's just focus on our own game. And if they slip up, they slip up. And we're just going to be focused on our own game and try and um, narrow the gaps on the teams above. And and it just happens that there's only one team above us now. Um, mm-hmm. We've just won eight out of the last nine games. Confidence is sky high at the moment. Um, I watched the WD18 um, live last night after the game, the live reaction. And, and Mike from the from a rookery end was on there, and I totally agree with what he was saying. He was saying, with all the teams in the championship, he does not fear one of those teams. He, he we could beat any one of those teams on our day. We've already beaten Norwich at home. Swansea's form is terrible at the moment. We should have beaten Brentford at home. I'm confident we'll beat Reading at home when we play them next. We've yeah. beaten Barnsley already this season. Um, Bournemouth, we should have beaten them at home. Middlesbrough, we've already beaten. Cardiff, we won at the weekend. So I, I don't fear anyone in this league now. We just need to carry on focusing on our own games, keep all winning away. And I, I, I guarantee you this now, teams are worrying about Watford. Even if Watford slip out of the top two and get into the playoffs, it'll be teams in the playoff thinking, I don't want Watford in the semi-final. I don't want Watford in the final. Mm. Yes, I think you, you make a very, very good point. And yeah, you, you also make a good point. And I think it was when uh, Josh Wilkins was on that week, me and, me and him sort of laughed you out of the building, so to speak, because you, you were mentioning <laughs> that. But no, I think you make a very good point, Ben. You know, we're, we're, we're the boys in form at the moment. And you know, we've won eight of the eight of the last nine games and it's really, really clicked. Like, you know, it, it's cliche to say every season if you've got a strong squad. Like, it's cliche to say, oh, once we click, that teams are going to take a battering. Uh, I've sort of been quietly saying that to myself all season. You know, you look at teams in the past in the championship, you look at Leeds, you know, how long were they? They're... they're best chance to get in the Prem other than the, the year that they got promoted last year their best chance was against us in 2006 um, you know the, they clicked and they got up uh, Aston Villa they struggled a little bit in the championship they clicked and they've gone up so I firmly believe that we've clicked now and as you say you make a very good point teams are fearing playing us I think I think that is a very very true statement uh, and I mean, I'm perhaps not as confident with the Norwich game, but anyone else, bring it on. Let 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 us play you. Um, you know that that Swansea game. 
the fact we're at home against Swansea, that breeds so much confidence for me. Um, Brentford, Last game of the season as well. Exactly. Mate, if that's not on TV, then whoever works for the picking the games at Sky <laughs> wants sacking on the spot, mate, let me tell you. Uh, I mean... The fact that the um, M1 derby's been overlooked again, it was ridiculous. They had Wickham and Wickham and Stoke earlier in the season instead of putting Watford Luton on. Wickham were playing someone, I can't remember who, but they overlooked us for that. And now this time round, because the April fixtures have already been released, as we said last week, our games against Middlesbrough and Reading are on uh, Sky, the, the game against Luton's not on Sky, and it, that's technically a derby. So, I mean, he wants sacking already, but if he, he definitely wants 100% sacking on the spot if that doesn't get chosen for TV. But Ben, I, I don't think I'm, I'm ready for that. I, I'm, I'm not thinking of a last game, winner-takes-all scenario because my heart my heart's racing now thinking about it. Um, we've mentioned two players that have been called up to their respective sides. Ken Semmer obviously being called up to the Swedish side. They face Georgia, Kosovo and Estonia. And obviously Dan Backman as well has been called up for the World Cup qualifiers. And his last involvement was with the, in 2017 when he was an unused sub against Moldova. And we've mentioned he could be in line to make his uh, senior debut against Scotland. So that'll be a, that'll be a good one. And, I'm sure he'll know a few characters from the Kilmarnock squad. I don't know whether they get into the Scotland squad, but who knows. Uh, and then the the last but not least, in terms of players that have been called up to their respective national sides, Ben Wilmot's been called up to the upcoming UEFA European Under-21s Championships to face Portugal, Croatia and Switzerland in Group D, with the first stage of the tournament taking place from March the 24th to the 31st. So massive, massive, massive good look to uh, to Ben Wilmot there uh, and we, we're rooting all the boys and it, it's Ben it's great seeing this many call-ups isn't it I don't think we had this many call-ups last season when we we're in the Prem it's it just shows the confidence and the ability that the players are playing at at the moment that that you know there seems to be a, a different call-up every day at the moment doesn't there yeah it's just high praise for him it just shows how well they're doing for the club and for them to represent their country is absolutely fantastic as well I'm just hoping like other Watford fans is they go there they have a good time they um they maybe get some good performances under the belt but please don't come back with any injuries because it's it's getting to squeaky bum time in the championship running now to the end of the season mm-hmm. only nine games left we do not want our international players going away and picking up silly knocks especially Semmer, well, any of them. I, I can't even pick one out where you might think, oh, it doesn't matter too much. Any of them. I, I think you're absolutely spot on there, Ben. Uh, and then just to to, to wrap up the, the, the show or just the last bit that we're going to be speaking about, we are back in action again on Saturday. Uh, we, we're on, in front of the Sky cameras again at three o'clock. That's been weird to get used to because obviously with coronavirus before that, um, England didn't have the rights to show three o'clock games. So the fact that the three o'clock is now on Sky is uh, is, is a bit weird, really. But um, yeah, I think I think Norwich, us and Swansea are all on Sky on Saturday, or Brentford, us and Swansea are, because uh, Swansea have got their um, their Welsh derby against Cardiff. So hopefully Cardiff can forgive us because they seem to be a little bit rattled with us beating them the other week, which was quite funny to watch from Ravel on Twitter. <laughs> But hopefully they've uh, hopefully they can forgive us and and do us a favour on on Saturday. But yeah, Ben, we have got Birmingham City. They are coming to the Vic, the fortress, the Vic um, this season. Birmingham tend to tend to do pretty well away from home. Obviously, they've they've just sacked Karanka. They um, they've picked up twenty three points in eighteen games away from home. That's joint. 11th best in the in the division uh, and it wasn't long ago that we were sort of accompanying them in that sort of position in the table but on a whole on a grand scheme of things we um we should really be beating Birmingham because they've won two in one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve games they've won twice um but as you as anyone that's on social media will know I saw Karanka has been dismissed and Lee Bowyer's come in. What are your thoughts going into that game, Ben? 
new manager bounce could be in progress. Lee Bowie is a passionate player he was, so could bring that to the changing room. Are you are you a little bit more worried or has that not entered your mind at all? We're at home against Birmingham City, should be a routine three points. What's your view on it? Um, it's, it's always difficult playing against a team that's just appointed a new manager. Like you talk about, there's, there's always a new manager bounce. Uh, there's players there looking to impress a new manager. Maybe players that haven't been involved in the first team for a while, they're being brought back in and given an opportunity again to try and win their place back. So but it's, there'll be lots of players trying to fight to um, carry on playing in the set side for the rest of the season and try and steer Birmingham away from um, relegation. Um, he's a very passionate guy. Um, his teams seem to be quite passionate. He did a very good job at Charlton. Um, but he was unlucky to get relegated last season from a championship. So, um, I'm expecting a tough game, but we are flying at the moment. We're high in confidence. So I'm just expecting another routine Watford victory and probably a clean sheet. I'm going to probably go for a 2-0 Watford win. Oh, I like that. The the clean sheet one especially, because you'll see why when the uh, stat pack comes out tomorrow for the Birmingham game on Thursday, but I, I'm liking that, Ben. Um, I mean, before I play the interview where I spoke to Matt from the We Are Birmingham podcast, who I spoke to earlier today, um, I just want to say in terms of the Birmingham game, obviously loads and loads of mates who are Birmingham City fans, and um, I am a little bit worried, in, in all honesty. I... <laughs> Would I say worried to a sense where I think we'll lose? Probably not. I would say worried to a sense where we it won't be as easy a game as it would have been under Karanka. And I think a lot of people might say, well, that's obvious. But I think you look at the type of player Lee Bowyer was. He, he was always a tough tackling midfielder. He was passionate. He, he was very loud. Uh, I think he, he, he actually ended up scrapping Jonathan Woodgate at once when they played for Leeds together. So, you know, he, he was he was a character and, he, you know, he had, he had a bit of bite about him. And if you think he's played for Birmingham City, he's won the league, cut with Birmingham City, He's going to go into that side. He's going to go into that dressing room and they've lacked any sort of passion recently. He's a passionate, he was a passionate player. He's going to go in there and maybe install a bit of passion, a bit of fight. He knows what it is to play for a team with the stature of Birmingham City, because let's face it, they, they do have a rich history uh, and they are a, a big club. So he's going to, he's not going to want to watch players play like that and not show any passion for a team where he won the league cup at and he knows, you know, how, and listen, this might sound like I'm probably best off placed on a Birmingham podcast with the amount I'm praising him at the moment, but I think he knows full well what it's like to, to be the, the, the fans aren't in at the moment. He knows what it's like to play in front of that Birmingham city crowd. Uh, Watford fans will, will back this up as well. Uh, anyone that went to the playoffs where we won on penalties that night back in 99, will know how much of a hostile atmosphere it is for away fans because of how loud the home fans can be. Ben, I'm, I'm thinking more recently when me and you went, remember Gary Rowett's first home game for them, the season we went up, we made a dozen change. We, we, well, we made half a dozen changes that night and we lost 2-1 and the noise that night was, was absolutely ferocious. So he, they will know, like he will know what it's like to play for the Birmingham fans, so he's gonna really stick a rocket up them. So I'm 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 expecting a much tougher, more stern Birmingham City side this time round uh, as it would have been maybe with Karanka in charge, and um, hopefully it starts tonight against Reading because if if we can get a bit of distance, I know there's 11 points between us and Reading at the moment, but if we can even you know if we can maybe even extend on that with Reading coming up soon, we can really say goodbye to maybe fifth and below, uh, and that'd be really nice. So I personally a little bit fearful of of what fight Birmingham may possess, but I'm going to go with a I'm going to go two 0 as well, Ben. I, 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 we we we're high in confidence. The clean sheet. We, we'd be disappointed that we didn't get one against Rotherham, but I think we'll get one this Saturday. Uh, and I'm going to go. Sars going to score, and Pedro's going to get his tenth as well. So they're both going to end up on ten goals for the season come the the final whistle on Saturday. Uh, but like I says, myself and Ben. Uh, well, my, I, myself did speak to. Matt from the We Are Birmingham podcast to discuss the game on Saturday and uh, this is what was said. I'm here with Matthew from the We Are Birmingham podcast. Matthew, thank you very, very much for joining us. Now, like 
Watford. We, we know a thing about a manager change or two. We'll get straight into it. Yesterday, so Tuesday, as we record this on a Wednesday, we saw that Oita Karanka stepped down from Birmingham City uh, with the club sitting 21st. What, what went wrong under him this season? Um, it's probably quicker to list the things that went right, to be honest. <laughs> is it? I'll be honest, when we first appointed him, hmm. we heard, when we heard he was going to be taking over, I thought, yes, sounds like, this sounds like a good idea. It's someone that can maybe steady the ship, get us back to basics. You know, we know the football's not going to be great. We don't expect to be scoring three or four goals every game. Just Let's just get back to some form of consolidation in, in the championship and stop being absolutely awful, which has been, you know... Just been a constant for the past God knows how many years, really. So, um, yeah, it's it's really bizarre because I was desperate for it to work, and I was one of the last people that really, you know, was still clinging on to hope that he could turn it around. But it just got too much, too too defensive, too negative. I mean, you expect that from him, but when you when you're still being defensive and negative, and you're making individual errors and you're conceding stupid goals um we don't create enough chances so you know when we do create one or two chances you've got to take one of those because it's a recipe for disaster with the the amount of goals we're giving away numerous formation changes and i mean we must have played five six different formations this season personnel constant personnel changes you could. It was like a tombola kind of uh, bingo machine. You, you had no idea what what side he was going to pick, and his subs just you you know you nil nil again away against Wickham. You're on top, and the players have done really well. But just make a change and add this little bit of impetus. And he did. He wouldn't make a sub because he was too scared that the players would lose their concentration. That he, his exact words were: making a sub could have lost their focus. That lost a lot of fans that night. He's just been a disaster from start to finish. And, you know, he looked like he just wasn't bothered at all with where we were in the league or anything. It's really disappointing. Yeah, well, I mean, you you mentioned the disappointment there with Karanka. Didn't waste any time. I mean, people say it was 15 minutes after but um, you know with myself obviously being from Birmingham you you, you hear rumours and that and it sounds like it was pretty much wrapped up anyway but 15 minutes after you announced um, Karanka had left Lee Bowyer has been announced then that he's a new head coach on a two and a half year deal what what do you think he can bring to your sides that you've been lacking? Um, this is one for uh... He's, he's got the character enthusiasm and, you know, I'm going to look for, I hate using this word, but passion, the, the passion side of the game. He obviously used to play for play for Birmingham. Mm. He has that in spades. He was a guy, he was a player that absolutely worked hard. Um, you know, he's going to expect the same from, from his, from his players. He's, I've seen footage of him on like the um, little bits I've done with Charlton on Sky Sports and on some documentaries where he's, you know, he's actually got some really good man management skills there as well. And the one thing that he seemed to lack with, with one of the, one of the things that seemed to lack with Karanka was having that, those sort of man management skills. He's, he would throw somebody under a bus pretty quickly. I don't think Bowie's going to do that. I think he's quite clearly said in his interview yesterday that, you know, if you can walk off the pitch and look me in the eye and look the player next to you in the eye and, you know, you know, you've given it your all. That is good enough for me. There's just going to be a really, really hard-working team. I think. Um, he'll, I, I imagine he'll go back to some form of basics. At Charlton, it looked like he tried to have his players work the ball into the box to create opportunities um, that gave you a better chance of scoring. Their their xG was quite high in the Championship and in, and has been in League One as well. So you know, with a better quality of player. In implementing that kind of style, you'd hope that you know we get some form of success from it. But the connection with the fans is massive as well. Being an ex-player, winning the cup with us as well back in 2011, fans don't forget that, and he's still he was looked at as a hero. So that alone gives him an extra load of credit in the bank, as it as it is. I think. 
Yeah, and, and just away from the questions, I mean, personally, I, I'm now a little bit, a little bit more worried coming into Saturday purely because you mentioned it there. You know, he, he used to play for Birmingham, and as a player, he was passionate, and you know, he's you're probably expecting him to install that into the players. And something that I'm going Absolutely. to allude to now in my next question is a new manager bounce. Do you, do you think that the decision to change managers is too late now? Because Rotherham are three points behind you with four games in hand. Or do you think that the new manager bounce will steer you to safety? Well, you helped us out last night, didn't you? So <laughs> yeah. I'm quite, that's, that's quite pleased to hear. We were actually recording a podcast the same time <laughs> as that was going on. And Chris, my, my co-host on... Mm. On the show, every time you scored, he'd have the phone ring and pick up the phone and say, "Oh, I've just had my mates just called me. Yeah, it's three 0 And then, so so that was, that was quite good. So it's like Lee Bowie is already working his magic with Watford. Went away. Four one in the end, was it? Four one. He was. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll ask you a quick, quick question. Was that more because they were terrible, or more because you were great, or was it a combination of both? Uh, I think it was a combination of both. They obviously haven't played in a while, have they? I think that was their first no. game in what three weeks. They hadn't some of Something them like that, trained, yeah. and it, it was you could tell some of them were blown out their ass. But um, I think we we sort of turned on the afterburners a bit as well, so that probably didn't yeah. help them. But yeah, a bit of both, I'd say. So I think you'll be alright in terms of you. You know, if you're relying on them to pick up results, uh, then I, I think you might have a little bit of a cushion there, to be honest. So the question was new manager. Uh, do we think we'll get the new manager bounce? Is that what yeah, you? yeah, 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 yeah. So obviously we've got Reading tonight. Um, that's where you know he, he's been. He's had a few sessions training. He actually took his first training session on Monday. I don't think that was really, really sort of publicly um, as public knowledge. But yeah, Monday he had full sessions yesterday. I don't know if they're thinking this morning. So he's had time to to sit down with them, talk to them. Um, it's not a lot of time to plan before the game. Uh, but, you know, he said he's watched Reading. He, he's worked out some of their, their weaknesses and how we, how we can go and attack them. So that was good to hear. Um, he sounds quite positive. Um, it's hard to say. Like, I, I'm really, I was, I feel far more confident now he's in. Um, you know, I, I think had we gone in still with Karanka, we'd be, would be going in there hoping for a nil-nil. Um, at the at very best, or 1-1 one, one or something along those lines. Um, I do feel, and I've already alluded to it, his character, enthusiasm, just the way he goes about things, I think should be enough to give those players an, uh, a bit of an injection of just, like, they're so low on confidence. It's, it's massively key that he can G them up for that. So... New manager bounce, yeah, I hope so. Um, it may, it might be more hopes that, hopeful than than I think or I believe, but um, you know, let's for me, it's just let's just get tonight out of the way, let's not lose, and then build build on that. So we go away to you guys at, at the weekend. I think we're on TV as well, aren't we? Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm hopeful of a new manager bounce. Let's say that, but this we have got a really tough running, so it's going to be. Uh, pretty pretty tough for us I think pretty difficult for us yeah and just turning our attentions now to um, the game on Saturday as we just come to the last couple of questions now um, a player who Birmingham fans will be no no stranger to them is our skipper Troy Deeney uh, uh, he's yeah. currently out injured at the moment with an Achilles problem is that a relief for you guys as he I think he's got five goals in seven games against Blues so he tends well, to score against it, you yeah. boys, so. it doesn't it doesn't matter if he's got if he's got our crest tattooed on his leg you know he'll, exactly. you know he he um he will always score nine out of ten times he ends up scoring against us when he plays us and um, but you guys have got so much quality. Last time we played you, when we did the podcast, I think you had quite a few injuries at that time. And that I know was, you beat uh, us one nil. That was there. a tough watch. Let me tell you that. <laughs> it was uh, mate, that is what we have had to put up with all season. It's been absolutely horrific. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I looked at your squad and thought that's quite scary. You had, I know, you had a lot of injuries at the time. There's a few guys with COVID. I think you had as well. Yeah, um, looking at the results recently, away on the league, like it's it doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence. So uh, if again, for me, it's hoping that Bowie has got, had some form of like instilled that confidence in the players that they're just going to battle, battle, battle. And, you know, um, I am very, very pleased that Dini isn't playing because he always finds a way to score against us, but you've got so much quality in that team that, you know, it, it, 
I don't think it matters on the in the grand scheme of things. It's going to be a really, really difficult game for us anyway. And then finally, uh, throw you under the bus a little bit here. Score prediction. It's just, it's quite difficult for me to make a score prediction without um, without us playing Reading first. That's yeah. that's a, that's a difficult thing for me. So um, if we get through that Reading game without losing. Um, I've actually predicted we win 2-1. I, would, I didn't predict that prior to the podcast. When I got on the podcast and it was all, I knew we'd had a few training sessions, like, right, we're going to win now. Mm. Um, so for Watford, if we can get through Reading without losing, I think we could go away to you guys and pick up a point. So um, if we lose against Reading, I, I, I think we'll probably end up getting beat by you guys as well. But... I think it's a confidence thing for us. I really do. They're on the, the players are on the floor at the moment, and Karanka did nothing to help pick them up at all. Um, it, so I'm gonna, I'll just I'll sit on the fence. I'm just going to say a draw. So uh-huh. I think that's, uh, I'll, and I'll go I'll go one one. Yeah. Well, as you say, you know, you picked something up against Reading. That'd be a massive point. That'd help us out as well, by the way. So we scratched your back last night. You can scratch ours tonight. We've scoring <laughs> at Reading or maybe beating them. Uh, I, granted, they're, they're not really in the picture for second, but it'd be nice to, to create a little bit of a gap. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. between you, isn't it? Exactly. So um, all all I can say is, um, you know, thank you, obviously, for, for coming on. As I said, Matthew is part of the We Are Birmingham podcast. Go and check them out. They'll be in the description to the podcast. But let's just hope, Matthew, it's a better watch than the first game at St Andrews this season. <laughs> let's, let's be honest, it's not going to be that much more difficult to be a, be a better watching that is it that was well, a, exactly. a turgid game of football but we have had 30 odd games of that this season so yeah. um i'm hoping that these, even these last 10, 10 games we go down fighting and you know i, I i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that i can almost guarantee that the brand of football we're going to see for these last 10 games will be better than what we've seen for the last 30 odd and you know i'll take that for now if we go down we go down but yeah let's just see some passion and some pride installed back in that team because at the moment, it lacks it or has lacked it for quite a while. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see how he gets on. But thank you very, very much for your time, Matthew. No problem at all, mate. So, yes, yeah, some very, very interesting stuff. I think they, they just seemed glad to, to get rid of Karanka. It, it was uh, it's really weird that it didn't perhaps work out for him uh, at, at Birmingham City because, we, you know, he, he's got... A, pretty decent CV. I think he got Middlesbrough promoted that, that season. Um, the And I think he was there. Was he there when they were in the Prem as well? Remember that, that game where we beat them, Ben, when we were in Barcelona watching in that tapas bar? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he was in charge for that one. Uh, so, Holobas r- rifled yeah. into the top corner, didn't he? Oh, yes. What a what a day. That will live long in my memory. But yeah, um, that that's that's pretty much it from from me and Ben. We 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 thank you for for sticking with us as always. Uh, apologies, it's a little bit later than usual, but work commitments with me and Ben um, meant that we had to record at a later time uh, today. So if you're listening tonight on Wednesday, thank you very much. And uh, if you're listening any other day, uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of the week. Me and Ben are going to be joined by a special guest for the Birmingham City. Uh, review uh, looking ahead to our next game then which will be Sheffield Wednesday um, and yeah we, we we honestly cannot thank you enough for the, the recent support that we've got and obviously uh, massive thanks to those that said kind things about the podcast when reaching out to Ben as well and you know I'm sure Ben's appreciative of it as well but um, yeah from from myself and Ben it's been a pleasure to talk to you as always. Like I said on my Twitter, it's great doing these when we're winning and winning convincingly at the moment. So long mate, continue. And we'll be back on Sunday morning, hopefully speaking about a win against the Brummies when they come to Hertfordshire. But stay safe. Come on, you horns. Sports Social Podcast Network.